Welcome to Genesis Life Center. Our vision statement is every destiny has a beginning. We are a ministry called to encourage and inspire the body of Christ to use their gifts and talents to do work of the ministry wherever they are called to. Our mission is to provide individuals with the tools to become agents of change and messengers of God. Our motto is you are not an accident waiting to happen, but a destiny being fulfilled. Our pastors are Ben and Dee Adekubi. We are here in person and online. Just look up Genesis Life Center and join in every Sunday at 11 a.m. Mountain Time. That just, I, I love that song. It's meant much to me in my days. And uh, is it best if I stay up here? Anyway. Or down there? The back with the kids is okay? That's okay for me to go all the way back there? You just, no, oh, stay, I got to stay in this room. Okay. Praise the Lord. Anywhere in this room. Praise the Lord. I, I'm a traveling preacher when I preach. Uh, so I may get around, walk around, I may come back, talk to you in your row. I do all kinds of things, however the Lord leads us today. Uh, I'm just so, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here today. This is actually uh, a bit of a dream come true for me. I've always, uh, I've, I've loved, I've been here and ministered when it was back in another building and Calgary World Harvest and everything, and, and just coming back and being with you again is so amazing. And I recognize that we are new, but the seeds were laid uh, all those years ago as well. So um, how, I should tell you about myself first, maybe. Would you like to know who I am? You don't know who I am. Probably that'd be a good thing, right? Well, my name is Gary Mason. I grew up... Um, in a preacher's home. It wasn't originally a preacher's home. My dad, when I first, uh, in my first few years, until uh, I was five, my dad was an alcoholic, and uh, home life was with an alcoholic. He was a nice drunk, I suppose, as nice can be, and, uh, but through all of that, and he was always a good dad to me, but he was an alcoholic. My mom was born again, spirit-filled. She'd been spirit-filled as a, a little girl, seven years old, going to an Anglican church. And she would read her Bible and pray. And one day, all of a sudden, she started to do this funny language that she didn't recognize. And she went to her Anglican priest. And, well, her parents kind of took her to this Anglican priest. What's going on here? Or, Is this okay? And he looked at her, and he just said, well, little girl, does it make you feel good and she said yes and he said well then you just keep doing it and she's been speaking in tongues ever since and so uh you know I grew up with a mom who I didn't know when I would come home I'm coming down here sorry I gotta come down here. uh I, when I would come home as a high school student I didn't know if my mom would be speaking in English 
or if she'd be speaking in tongues. My, my friends had come over, and I had no idea what was going to be happening in my house. It was, that, was, that was my house, and that's how we lived. And, and uh, my dad, though, got born again, spirit-filled, all in the same night at, a, at an Anglican Bible study. He went there, and, and so uh, one of the things that they told him, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things are passed away. All things are made new. This is just my background a little bit so that you know who I, who I am and where I come from. So he went to work the next day. He worked at the Toronto Hydro. We were living in Toronto at the time. And uh, so while he was uh, out, on, out on assignment with the trucks, they're working on some power poles. And it was right across the street from a friend of his, somebody else that worked there, but wasn't working that day. So he'd come across at lunchtime and said, hey, you guys want to just come to my place for lunch, bring your lunch and sit at my place rather than sitting here in the truck. So they went over. And so he looks at my dad. Now, this is one of my dad's drinking buddies. And he says to my dad, he says, so uh, you want a beer? And my dad says, no, thanks, Norm, I don't drink anymore. Then he thought this, why did I say that? I guess I really am new. So Norm says to him, oh, you're on the wagon again, are you? Because my dad had tried everything. He tried everything to quit and couldn't quit. Doctor told him he had 25% of his liver left. If he kept drinking the way he was, he'd be dead in the next month, kind of. And, and so Norm says, oh, you're on the wagon again. He said, no, Norm, I just don't drink anymore. And thought again, why did I say that? I guess I really am new. And that began a whole new life for us as a family. My dad was brand new. Alcohol was never a thing for him again. Now, this is a guy who could not quit. Was, was killing himself. Had some things happen at the Toronto Hydro a couple of, uh, within a couple months, and he went and they, uh, so he was around a transformer that had blown. In those days, they used something called PCBs in it, polychlorinated bifanals. You know what I'm talking about. I see you nodding your head. They were, and they're very toxic. One of the first things they attack is your liver. Now remember, my dad's got 25% of his liver left. So he goes, and, and they don't know that this has happened. He's working on, and he spends the day working on these transformers that are down underground, right in downtown Toronto. When they find out, now here's what's happened. This is skyscrapers. You've, this is downtown Toronto. And when they find out that the transformers have leaked PCBs, they clear a whole city block in downtown Toronto. They move everybody out. And he was working in the room. So they call him and say, grab your clothes, put them in a plastic bag, you got to bring them to work, clean up and everything. And so he does. They send him to the doctor to get checked out. And the first thing that it attacks is your liver. So they do a test of his liver. Tests all come back and he sits down and he's sitting there with the doctor. And the doctor says, hey, you're all fine. You must not have been exposed because your liver is 100%. You got the liver of a 20-year-old. There's no evidence, that, and my dad looks at him, and he says, no, that's not true. I only got 25% of my liver left. He said, no, you don't. And they can look at all the tests. They do all the tests, 100%, brand new. My dad didn't even know God wanted to heal him at that time. Didn't know healing was a part of the promise. But he got delivered. He got set free. was brand new on the inside. 
And that started a course. So my dad uh, began to change, and our lives began to change. And when I was just uh, 11, 12 years old that summer, our family moved out west. My dad went to Bible college and became a preacher. So I grew up a preacher's kid. Yeah, yeah. I brought one of my boys today. We got four of them. And this is number three, Josiah. And so uh, Beth, the, Beth and the other three are back at home helping to hold down the fort. We pastor Medicine Hat Family Church. They're together. It's a, it's a joy. It's been, we've been there since 2008. I've known Ben since 2006. Now, he would never let us meet Dee. He kept leaving her at home. Every time he'd come to a meeting, he would always leave her at home. I think he was just scared if once we met her, we wouldn't want to hang out with him. But it's not true. We really do like, we like you, Ben. So, <laughs> but, uh, so I, I mean, for years, he would come to the conferences. He'd come to meetings, and he'd say, no, D couldn't come. D couldn't come. D couldn't come. We started to wonder if D exists anywhere other than his mind. Because it was probably seven or eight years before I finally met Dee, isn't that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we used to tease him about it. But I knew that someone had to be, I knew Dee had to exist because she helped keep Ben in line. And anyway, we're just so grateful. We've had this relationship then where we've walked together for these years. And, and uh, you know, growing up in a pastor's home and then, uh, being in the ministry, I was in the ministry in Prince Albert for uh, 20 years. Well, probably 17 of those years were ministry. Some of that I went to Bible college and, and that. Um, and then I became a principal of a Christian school, an elder in a church. I've done all kinds of things. I've traveled in ministers. I used to travel as a, as a children's minister. I used to travel and teach children's ministry in different churches or around Western Canada and stuff. So I've done some of that. I've done, uh, you know, whatever. All of that is stuff, right? But that's who I am. I have this passion some years ago when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. I, was, I knew the Lord was calling to min, me to ministry. I knew from the time I was probably, well, from the time I was 12 years old, I'd heard the Lord call me. And then I've gone through different seasons that were, huh, some of them were easy, some of them were hard. I'll be honest with you, some of them were hard. I went away to a youth camp. I was 12 years old, youth conference, and, and while I was there, I heard the Lord call me to ministry. Came back uh, home, and it's Saturday night, and we've been away, you know, uh, Thursday, Friday, and we're back at home. On, and, and there's a reason I'm telling you this story. Hang on with me. Um, but I, I come home and, and it's, I'm 12 years old and I'm sitting at 12, I might have been 13. Anyway, I, I was uh, sent to bed like every 13-year-old child should be at a certain time because we got to get up for church in the morning. And so I've heard the Lord at this youth conference. The Lord's called me to minister. So I open up my Bible and I'm writing notes. And, and I think to myself, well, if I'm going to be a preacher, D, if I'm going to be a preacher, I should write a sermon. I'm like 13. But if you're going to be a preacher, you should write a sermon, right? You've got to have something to preach. Even I knew that at that age. 
So I started writing this sermon, and I was going through my Bible, and I'm writing, you know, scriptures, and I've got all these things, and my dad comes in, it's midnight, he says, what are you doing still awake? I'm about to get in trouble, like I should. What are you doing awake? We got church in the morning. I said, well, I'm writing a sermon. He's like, what? I said, well, when I was at the youth conference, I felt like God called me into ministry. And so I'm writing a sermon. He said, great. Let me see. And he looks at the notes. He says, you'll preach it tomorrow. This is the problem with having a pastor for your father. <laughs> so I'm like, what? Wow, Lord, you're amazing. That was quick. I'm preaching tomorrow. And uh, so I went ahead and finished up a couple notes, put my lights out, went to sleep, woke up in the morning. The next morning started, and, and it was, I wasn't preaching the whole service. There was another young, uh, well, young guy. He was in his 30s probably. He was our youth leader and, and one of the leaders in the church, and he was preaching that day. So they were giving me a little bit of time before him. I bet you I was less than 10 minutes, but I had a whack of scriptures. And they were all written out, so I said, <laughs> so uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Psalms chapter 1. It wasn't Psalms chapter 1. I should go find that list and find it again. I still have it somewhere in, in a box. Uh, I have those notes. But uh, I, I went, and I, Psalms chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the, God, the ungodly, nor stands the way of sin, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law. That's a, actually, I think I'm down to about almost verse 3 now, but uh, so I said, what this means is, or what this tells us is, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, and I went through about 10 minutes of scriptures just like that, it was all on trusting in the Lord, I had all these scriptures on trusting in the Lord, I went from one scripture to another scripture, and basically what I, I read the scripture, and then I said, what this means is, and then I said that scripture over again, but that was me preaching. Hey, that's a good preacher who would just preach to you the word of God, right? Laying foundations for today when I would tell you stories about my youth. How does that work? Anyway. So uh, I finished that message, and, you know, a few people were like, wow, that was amazing that afternoon. We were going to a, um, there was a, a family in the church, and we were going to their house for lunch, and so, and it was a farming community, so it was about a 15, 20-minute drive, and so they uh, decided to, uh, my parents and I and everything, I decided to drive with them, because mom and dad were going to be a little bit longer at the church than them, and so I, I went ahead with them, and mom and dad were coming afterwards. Now, here's the thing. I think the guy probably meant well, but he sat me down at the kitchen table, and he stood up there, and he said, so why did you preach today? I said, well, because I felt like God wants me to preach, and he said, why do you feel like that? Now, at this youth conference, someone had said, the Lord's calling you to preach. Now, understand. That was already in my heart, and when he said that, something clicked, and I said, I need to preach. But that man, in his 40s or maybe 50s, he looked at me, and he's a big man. He's six foot, 
I know him still today. He's probably six foot three, and he's big, wide shoulders. And he's looking at me, he says, why do you think you should preach? Well, I want you to know that's not necessarily how prophecy works. And blah, blah, blah. And he went through this whole thing. And he so hit me so hard that I just decided I'm not going to preach again. <laughs> if this is what preaching gets you, I don't want to do it. And I didn't preach for years. Anyway, so what I, I got to be about eight, 16, 17, 18 years old. I knew the Lord was calling me to preach, and I kept saying no. I kept saying no. And I kept, the, I made the decisions in my life that I would be a very, very successful business. I was going to do God a favor. I said, God, you don't want me to preach. I'll be a successful businessman, and I'll give all my money to preachers everywhere. I'll send them everywhere. I will make sure Ben and Dee, when I meet them one day, will never lack again. That's what, that was what I was going to do. I didn't do that, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but here's the thing is I, I had made decisions because of something that was contrary to me. I had made decisions about the rest of my life. So I began to just pursue business, and I had opportunities. Listen, I've had some opportunities for business that were through the roof. I was 22 years old, 21 years old when this happened that summer. That I, my birthday's in August, so I have to stop and think sometimes on what side of August it was. But it was, it was on the right side of August that I was 21, and I was offered a job that would have made me a millionaire in my first year at 21. Within five years, I was guaranteed $10 million. I thought, Lord, this is exactly what you want me to do. And, and in that season of my life, I'm, I'm, I couldn't sleep at night. I'd go to church, and it was dry, and there was nothing, and I had nothing from God. It was like, God, now this, this offer didn't quite come just right then, but I'm going through this process, and I'm going to church, and, and like I love the Lord with all my heart, but I go to church, and it was dry, and there was nothing, and I was like, ah. I didn't plan to tell this story today, but it was, when I think about it, man, it was really hard. It was a difficult season in my life. But you understand, I'm running at this particular moment from the Lord. Because at 18, I, was in my, I used to go to my bedroom and I'd put on worship music and I'd play my guitar and I'd sing. And I can remember being there at 18 and nobody else around and i'd worship sometimes until you know there's light coming in the window and then i'd worship until it was dark and i'm i'm just in there i'm worshiping and i'm on my knees and i put my guitar down and i and i and i end up on my face before the lord i it was a small little small really small basement suite my parents had and that's where my bedroom was and so i'd go into the other room and i can remember at 18 my face in my pillow bawling for almost three hours as the Lord unpacked some of those things. And in that moment, I said, okay, Lord, I'll preach for you. I said, I'll preach for you, but I will never be a pastor. 
said, I'll preach for you, but I'll never be a pastor. I can't do that. I'd watch what my dad had gone through. I'd, I'd seen other pastors, and my dad would minister to them, and I'd say, man, that's, that's not for me. But I'll, I'll preach for you. You know, that's kind of a, I will, but I won't kind of moment. But it's a step in the right direction. Thank God for the step in the right direction. But something inside is still turning. It's still like, oh, I know I'm supposed to. Okay, but Lord, before I preach, I want to make a million bucks so that I don't have to depend on the ministry. The ministry won't even have to pay for me. Jesus, I got this brilliant plan. I'll become wealthy enough. I'll, I'll, and, and I'll understand how to invest and how to do all those things. I, and I began, to, I began to learn. I began to seek all that wisdom from the world and how to be rich the world's way. Still tithing. I'm still giving. I'm still doing all those things because that's just a part of me. But I'm going to make a million bucks, and then I'll go preach because then I won't have to depend on the ministry. I won't be a drain on a church. I won't be a drain on any minute. I could just come. If you need me, I'll come and I'll minister for you and I'll just do what the Lord says. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. But with this proviso. <laughs> so I'll be an evangelist. That's what I'll do. But not till I make my fortune first. So then I, I, I decided within... The next little bit of my life, I was going, I was, uh, I'd ended up back in Ontario, I was in Hamilton, I was working, and I was, but I was going to church, and it was a good church, I knew it was a good church, I could tell the spirit was there, I could tell that people's lives were being changed, and, and the preacher would preach, and people would be touched and inspired, they'd be, I mean, they're manifestations of the word of God in their lives, they were becoming mature believers, I knew it was right. But I would go and get nothing. I went through about a month of that. And uh, I just couldn't kind of take it anymore. And I began lying on my... Now, I don't have a lot of... I'm sharing a room with a friend. And we're living with his parents because it's just a transition season for me before I get my own place. And just come out for a couple of months get my own place and then we'll do that 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 and it'll all come into line and I begin to talk to the Lord and it takes me a few nights looking up into the dark abyss of a bedroom head on my pillow and uh God begins to talk to me and say, you put, you put parameters on that that I didn't put. I said, well, Lord. And, and so I, I come to this place in the midst of all of that that the Lord has called me to preach. And I've, I've got to just say, yes, Lord. So I do say, yes, Lord. And I also know there's a Bible college in Saskatoon that has already opened its door for me, and I can go there. I'm accepted into Bible college, and I can go. What time do I need to be done? One? Oh, man, we got lots of time. I'll be finished by 1.30. Uh, just kidding. 
Uh, so I go to I go to bed one night and I'm laying there and I'm talking to God for another couple hours and in the midst of all of that I say, okay, Lord, I'm going to go to Bible college. Now listen, this is literally I I do this at midnight. It's around twelve thirty actually, and I say, Lord, I will go tomorrow. I will make the plans to go back and to go to Bible college. The next day, I arrive at work, and there's this gentleman. He's an investor. Uh, he's an investor for bank presidents. He's a lead investor. He's got his own firm, and he invites me to come and be a part of his firm, be his partner in his firm train you I'll give you all the, and, and it'll be great within five years you can have 25% of the company within 10 years you'll have 49% I'll have 51 we'll be this is the one he, he's guaranteeing me within the first year I'll be a millionaire remember that was exactly what I said I wanted to do but God's been poking and prodding and pulling and squeezing on me for weeks and it's the night before. This is, this is like 12 hours later because I'm having lunch with him, and he offers this to me. Something on the inside of me says, yes, Lord, this is what I wanted. And the other part of me said, I can't. I just promised God. That night that I promised God was the first night in probably a number of weeks that I had a good sleep, that I woke up rested. Okay. Forward ahead, I, I, I'm in that meeting with him, and I'm talking to him, and uh, he makes the offer to me, and I said, well, I, I can't. I've got a call of God on my life. And so he, sa he says, he lays out the plan. He says, it's okay. I just need you to help me get started. Once we're, I need some extra feet on the ground. You'll be that guy. I'll train you. No worries. And within five years, you get 25%. And you can go do whatever you want. You'll have 25% of the company for the rest of your life feeding you. And he said, man, I love church. I love ministers. I want to help you be a minister. And you will never have to. So he outlines exactly what I had outlined with God. I said, but you don't understand. I make God a promise that today I begin the plans. And uh, he says, well, if you ever, and it was a longer conversation. At the end, if you ever change your mind, you let me know. I couldn't change my mind because God didn't change his mind. We proceeded and went. Uh, I went on my way. I drove back. I was in Bible college five days later and I began I was I was already a week late but they would still take me so five days later I was back I was in Bible college and I went to Bible college I finished Bible college I got back to uh, the church in Prince Albert and I began ministry there in ministry there I was a children's minister I was a worship leader I've been I've uh, been the janitor. I started actually as a janitor. Let me say that. I started as a janitor and then a teacher's assistant in the Christian school and and just kept moving as the Lord would. And I became a children's minister. I, I worked in the uh, 
the association of Christian schools across the province. The Lord just did great things. And then, and then he, and I thought that's where I would be the rest of my life. And then he says, I want you to go to Medicine Hat. 2008, that's a whole other story. I won't necessarily get into all of that, but I will tell you this, that I went from a guy who, who went probably, I'd sleep five, six hours a night, and the rest of that I'd be running. Between family and ministry and church, I was going. And then I showed up at a church, and I was told there was about 35 or 40 people there. It turned out there was about eight so with our four boys, we just about doubled the church on the first Sunday. <laughs> and, and, you know, all of a sudden, I went from being so busy to having nothing to do. And the Lord said, I want you to just do Sundays. I don't want you to do Wednesday nights. I don't want you to do this. I don't want you to just do Sundays for a while. We're reestablishing something. We're changing a wineskin here. I can tell you my own personal identity. I was a doer, man. I could get it done. I could get it done. I would strive and I would work. I'm telling you. You give me a job. I was the guy that when there was a hole in the ministry somewhere, somebody, you know, we had a gap, I took it up. When I left, it took three full-time guys and three part-time guys to replace me. You know what it's like. My wife was working part-time, and it took a bunch of part-time. It took a bunch of people to replace her as well. That's just who we were. And then the Lord takes me to what seems like the backside of the desert. It's like, you know the story of Mephibosheth in Lodabar? Lodabar is this place that nobody wants to be. That's kind of what I felt like in the moment because we got like 35 people. I get there, there's eight. Now, I effectively preach us down to two. I was really good. <laughs> Oh, praise the Lord. But, but I'm still there. But I'm still there. God's still with us. And, and the thing is, is that I knew in those moments. Now, I, I've had some really difficult times. We have a 25,000 square foot building. 25,000 square foot building. Our heating bill can be three or 4,000 in a month. Our cooling bill, because we get lots of sun and heat, can be the same in the summertime. So I don't get a break partway through the year. Eight people. Three or four households within that. Not all of them tithers. Pay that bill. So I can tell you, I've, got, I've seen pressure. And nothing I can do about it because I show up. Here's the, here's the deal. I show up. I've, I've read all the books. I've seen the programs. I know how to do church growth programs. I've got it nailed, man. I've studied this out. And so I am ready. Lord, we've got. So I've got pamphlets. I've got this. I do them all up on the computer. I, in those days, I loved to work with computers and do all the 
desktop publishing. So I had it ready, man. It looked great. Like I showed it to people like, that's awesome. You are going to explode. Yeah, praise the Lord. We're ready to go. And I'm like, Jesus, shall we go now? And he'd say, no, I don't want you to build like that. But Lord, I need some people in the chairs. 25,000 square feet. Lord, I need something to do. My wife and I and the four boys lived in the building for the first five years in the church. Because there wasn't enough to carry the church building and everything and for us to get enough to go get our own place. I understand pressure. I understand, understand transitions. Along the way with that, there were so many transitions. I was the area leader for CFCM in Saskatchewan. And I came, so I, like I got hats, man. I got more hats than my sons have fedoras. And they got fedoras. Caps. I got more, I had more hats than they got caps. And, and yet, I get here, I'm not anything for CFCM. I'm not anything for that organization. I'm not anything. I'm just this, this pastor of eight people. I was slated to take over. I was, this, before the Lord called me there, I was supposed to take over a church with a Bible college, a Christian school, and a national ministry. That's what we were working towards for a couple of years. Everybody knew I was going to do that. And then the Lord says, go. Talk transition. I understand transition. I'm going to talk about transition just a sec here. Trans you know, transition is a season of life that can be really difficult. Transition is a, it's not only difficult, it's dangerous. You know where most accidents happen on the road? At intersections transition you come to an intersection in in life and now there's this thing I, I i've been we won't have time to read all of it but if you if you would i would give you some homework you ready for some homework i give homework in my church can i give homework here we call it family church because we're family and so as the head of the family i just give homework sometimes and so I'll, I'll give you this homework. Read Acts in chapter 27. You're going to be reading, if you go back in 26 and you get the setup for it, Paul is being burdened by the Lord to go to Rome and talk to Caesar. He's all, and he's talking in 26 to Agrippa and some of the others. And, and they're literally saying, listen, if you didn't appeal to Caesar, we could just let you go. And... and and in, in 27, he's getting into the, some of these things, and like others are saying, man, if you go there, you're going to prison. Like he's even got prophetic words to tell him you're going to prison. He says, I know, don't worry about it. I'm bound in the spirit. Hmm. I'm bound in the spirit. So as he's traveling along, and, you know, he's, and, and, he, and he's got his... He's actually got opportunities to get out and not go through the pressure. 
I kind of kind of laugh sometimes because people say the safest place to be is in the hands of God. Really, tell that to all of the apostles who were martyred, except for John. Now, John, uh, hey, uh, you got to give it to John. They tried to martyr him. They boiled oil and dipped him in it, and he wouldn't die. Church history tells us that he just began singing in tongues. I don't know what goes through your head as they are picking you up and putting you into a vat of boiling oil. I don't know what goes through your head. When you get there, I can see singing. If you don't die and you're in the oil and you're not dead and you're like, Woo! I'm dancing now, right? Like, let me dance in the oil now. But before that, on the way there, what goes through your head? safest place to be is in the hands of God. Well, I suppose that's the only way you're getting through the boiling oil. But what about the other guys, Peter, who's, who's uh, you know, crucified upside down? And you begin to look at all of them there. I mean, it's brutal what they went through. However, we have scriptures that say, you know, in, in the book of revelation he's talking to one of the churches and he says but you won't taste the second death to be absent from the body is to be present with the lord i wonder at what point it was and i wonder how how what about stephen who's martyred and i mean they're stoning him paul's standing back he's one of the guys that saw at the time he's standing back holding everybody's jacket while they are stoning him and all of a sudden Stephen, who's going through that moment, looks up and he says, I see the Lord standing at his throne. He caught Jesus' attention enough that Jesus stood up. I would imagine in that moment, I, I don't know if you still feel the pain from the rocks. But I imagine you would weigh it out and say, that's my Lord. This might be worth it. Hmm. I want us to look at a couple of scriptures there in Acts chapter 27. I'm just going to bring this down because I like being here with you. I got 10 minutes. Wow. That's all I got is 10 minutes? Oh, man. I'm just kidding. 10 minutes will be fine. Wow. Thank you, sir. Um, now, as you go through here, you, you see a number of different things that I don't want to really get into. But what you do see is there's problems along the way. Paul gives them a warning. Let's not move on. Okay, we're going to move on anyway. Uh, we're not going to listen to you, Paul. But he says, listen, but there's trouble ahead. I've been praying. The Lord's told me there's trouble ahead. And so... 
I think sometimes if I was like Paul, now he does at one point, he says, listen, I told you ahead of time there was going to be problems and you just didn't believe me. Most Christians today would look and say, so I asked the Lord, he's going to take care of me. I don't know what's going to happen to the rest of you. You guys are in trouble. But Paul didn't do that. Paul's heart was so much different. His attitude was so much different. You caused me this pain. You caused me this turmoil because you didn't listen to me. And I told you, I told you, but it's okay because I have pleaded with the Lord tonight. And an angel came and told me, we're all going to make it. We're going to go through some difficult times here. We're going to lose the boat and all the stuff, but all the people will be saved. Boy, if we had more leaders in a church like that. Don't you think that'd be great, Pastor D? Uh, so verse 12, and because the harbor was not suitable to winter and the majority, the majority advised to set sail from there also if they, by any means, they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening toward the southwest and northwest and winter there. When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. Let's jump down a few verses to um, verse 18. Now, there was this soft wind. And because we were, exceed <laughs> and because we were exceedingly tempest-tossed, the next day they lighted the ship. So now all of a sudden it's gone from a nice breeze to a problem it's so bad they're throwing stuff off the ship the cargo's going over its side on the third day we threw the ship's tackle overboard with our own hands like the tackle like this is the stuff that's holding the stuff together we got a sail up there let's pull that sail down and throw it away we like we are in trouble by this point when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Verse 22, jump down there. And now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Now, remember, he said, Hey, I got to go. I'm being bound in the spirit to go to this thing. You're going to go to jail. I know I'm going to go to jail. Be quiet. I'm still going anyway. And then the angel comes and says, You have to be brought before Caesar. Apparently, I've heard some preachers say, well, you know, Paul just missed it. He didn't have to go to jail and everything. Well, not apparently, according to this angel, Paul was right on point. Paul was right on point, and this difficulty that he was going through was right on point. Okay, let's keep reading. <laughs> that was verse 25, eh? Verse 26, however, we must run across on a, a ground on a certain island. Let's jump down. I'm going to read just a couple of, along the way here. Verse 29. Then fearing lest we should run a, a ground on the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. 
And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship when they had let down the skiff into the sea, under the pretense of putting out anchors from the prow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Listen, I told you before, now you got to trust me, you got to trust God. We'll all be okay, but don't get off. Uh, verse 35, and when he had said these things, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. And they were all encouraged. They've been fasting. They didn't, have, they didn't have time to eat. They were, I think, this is probably not prayerful fasting. This is probably stressful fasting. You know what I'm saying? And, and so they all, when he did this, he said, you guys, you got to eat. We're going to need some strength in the next day or two. Hang on. Keep coming. Let's eat. Let's get encouraged. So they were all encouraged and also took food themselves. And in all, we were 276 persons on that ship. So when they had eaten enough, they lighted the ship and threw out the wheat into the sea. So everything left. Like, we're, we're done now, boys. We're all in. I want you to notice verse 41. But striking a place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground, and the prow stuck fast and remained unmovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. Hey, here's our answer. If we can run aground and ride out the storm, we'll be okay. They run aground, but the storm is so bad. It begins to break up the very thing that they're standing on. How many times in my life have I felt like the very thing that I was standing on was being broken up? The very thing I know God has said. Gary, you'll minister to ministers. You will minister to people all over uh, you know, in certain areas and different things. And, and today I pastor a, a pastor up at Cahewan on a reserve. I, I minister down in California and I minister to people all over the province. I, I get to do this today, but there was a time when I went from a national ministry with a Bible college and a Christian school and a daycare and all kinds of things going on. Like it was hard on every day. Let's go for it. And I went from that to eight people. Preach us down to two. Jesus, are you sure? Like, Lord, I'm here in the middle of all this, but I, I am like, what is going on? It seemed like everything that I had worked to build was being broken up. Jesus, in a couple of places, he says, you don't put new wine in old wineskins because the wine skin will be broken and the wine will be spilled out. You know, I discovered I was doing a little bit of study. To the point of, that he's making is there's this wineskin that's flexible and one that's not flexible. You can actually recondition a hard wineskin you put it in the water and it soaks up moisture again 
you rub it with an oil, like olive oil. And that oil and that moisture can actually recondition a wineskin. When I found that out, I thought, you know, then the reality is, is the problem wasn't the wineskin. The problem was the flexibility of the wineskin. God wanted to do a new thing. And so, now, he also says in that moment that, I got to finish right now. Am I okay? Are you sure? You give me just a couple minutes. Who will give me two minutes? Ten minutes? I was going to count to eight and get ten anyway, so. <laughs> Actually, eight would give me 16. Let's count. No. Uh, but here, here's the thing. So, he's, he's, Jesus is talking about how we need to remain flexible. How we need to, and if you look at, if you look at my life and all those different spots that I went through, the Lord had to reshape me every single time. Not that what I was was wrong, but I had to be reshaped. Now, I don't know about you, but as a wineskin, I would rather be reconditioned than be broken. Okay, Lord, give me a new wineskin. Now, I, I see people all the time saying, oh, we just need a new wineskin. Actually, what we really needed was to not get hard in the first place. You can reuse a wineskin. I used to ride uh, snowmobiles in a small town. We'd go to these uh, little snowmobile runs, and, and you'd go from spot to spot to spot, and, and there'd be other guys. They'd take a wineskin, and they'd fill it up, and they'd throw that in their snowmobile, and then all along the trip, they'd drink their wine. I didn't drink wine. I don't drink wine. That's not me. Some preachers may do that. That's not me. I got lots of reasons for that. I think that's between you and Jesus on certain accounts. But he did say, don't be drunk with wine. So um, maybe that was just for free. Is that okay? Anyway, all of that being said, I would watch those guys. And on the next snowmobile run, they would refill that thing. So I learned back then that you can refill a wineskin. It's reusable. As long as it stays flexible. Lord, may I always stay flexible. Because I'm going to come to these seasons. Now, let's read this verse again. Verse 41. But striking a place where two seas met they ran the ship aground this is a transition spot this is there's there's two different directions there's this is this is a place of contradiction the old king james in in hebrews says uh to consider jesus the author and the finisher of our faith and then it says who endured such contradiction how many times in our lives how many times in our lives as we followed the plan of God have we got to a season of contradiction I felt like the Lord was speaking to me 
as I came. I know that the Lord has done great things amongst you. I know that Genesis, I was here on the day when there was a transition that happened. Let me tell you, that transition in leadership and everything, I know you're both still here, and so both anointings and graces are in the house. But as that transition happened, that's, that's the practical aspects of it. But the working out of the new wineskin will bring you to a place where two seeds are contradictory to each other. You understand what I'm saying? And I believe that the Lord is saying something to you. The people won't be lost. Now, the ship, the wineskins, that's just a structure. That's not talking about a physical structure. It's talking about the structure. That when, I, when I read that, the Lord talked to me one time, and he said, that's the structure of your church, Gary, because I had to go through this. He began to talk to me about the structure of my church, and so we had to change how we did things, what we did. We, had to, we literally pared down and only did the things that we knew we needed to do and then began to rebuild things in. So our services were so scaled down. And then, and then we would add this, and we'd add that. And I was singing. Well, I mean, our worship was pretty amazing because we had Darlene Check and Matt Redmond and all those other guys singing with me. I bought, a, I bought an iPod just so I could have my playlist every service. <laughs> them and me. No team, just them and me. My wife would take the children because there was no children's ministry and she would take the children and I'd stay in the main service. It was a season of transition. And then we began to build back as we went through this thing. We, you know what we discovered in that? We discovered what was important. Remember the wineskin? The refreshing, the reconditioning of the wineskin comes. You soak it in water, and it rehydrates. You, you rub it with oil. And you know what that reminded me of? Instantly when I was reading that, this was just, I was, I looked online. There's no how to recondition. Uh, I, I got my Bible, but there's no how to recondition a wineskin in there. So I went to Google, and I found these two methods. And as soon as I read about this soaking in water, I thought that instantly the Lord reminded me about how Jesus perfects his bride by the washing of the water of the word. And then when I read about the oil, I began to think about the oil of the Holy Spirit and the anointing oil. One of the things that I discovered all those years ago when I first got 2008, 2009, 2010, when it seemed like I was being hidden. Actually, the Lord gave us a wonderful verse, or a wonderful prophecy. He said, I'm going to hide you. We're at a national conference. Pulls us out as minister's conference. Pulls us out of the crowd, and he says, I'm going to hide you until I can't hide you no more. Everybody's like, praise the Lord. That's amazing. Yeah, you think so until you're the one being hidden. 
funny now sometimes I mention that and people think, I remember that word. That was so powerful. Yeah. But when you get into that hidden place, when you go through that reconditioning, you come out with a different structure. Notice that in the book of Psalms, the last scripture I'll mention to you, we don't need to go there, but in the book of Psalms, chapter 1, he talks about trees that are planted by the rivers of water. Recently in B.C., we see floods where the banks of the river no longer held the water, right? And it became destructive. There is a flow of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to talk to the two of you. There's a flow of the Holy Spirit within a structure that he will set in place. It is a new wineskin. It is a new ship, if you would say it that way. But a new wineskin. It's a new cloth, a garment of praise that has not been seen in your ministry before. But within that context, you need to understand that the Lord is going to rebuild and reshape you. It's going to take the priority. You have to discover in the midst of that the most important things. The frills will change. But there are some things that can never change. You take the word. You take your worship. You may do it different than you do it now. And this is Everybody here needs to hear this. This is not just for them. I'm speaking to them. I, I need to say this. As a church body, when they get a prophetic word over your church, this is for all of you. You should never think, Pastor Ben and Dee got a great word today. You should think we got a great word today. The reason is, is because the Lord builds a body. There may be those under shepherds, under Christ, who is the great shepherd. But this is a word for the whole body. And so there will be a reshaping and a reforming. And it will look different. But the heart of ministry that you have carried and cried out for, that heart that you have never, I feel like the Lord says you have never quite seen it come into existence. It's because he's taking you back and he's reforming the wineskin. Remember the flood. Because when there's no structure, the water became destructive. Scripture tells us that the trees by the banks of the river grow up. They're lush. There's a number of places in Scripture that talks about the trees that are planted by the rivers of water. They bear fruit in their season. Immature trees do not bear fruit. There will be a strength and a maturity that will come to you as a body, the Lord says.
So don't lose heart in the transition. Allow the thing that I have placed in your heart that you have carried for, yes, even these years you have carried it. Allow it to reshape how you do things. I'm not going to follow that one. I'm not going to follow that example. You will be unique. Because the Lord says, I've called you to be unique. The heart of ministry is the same. It's family. It's body. It's an army. Scripture's pretty clear about the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. We're the army of the Lord. We're the bride of Christ. We, we are a body. It uses different examples. That's the same. But the outworking of it is unique to you, the Lord says. I actually hear the Lord saying, I don't need you to be like some of those other ones because if you are, I won't need you. I already have them. So in the middle of this, dream. And now to the body, dream. Come submit the dream and watch how the Lord will build something brand new. I'm like four minutes over. I'm done. You ready to pray? I'm going to pray. I learned this years ago. I could lay hands on each and every one of you. I could get you come up. We could do all that. But there's a certain grace that the Lord's allowed me to operate in. And, and so... I want you, for just a moment, just stay seated right where you are, and we're going to do a group thing, and I'm going to pray a prayer of impartation to you. And in the midst of all of this, I want you to hear me really loud and clear, that you can receive the anointing right where you are, whether you're on, I don't know what camera, but whatever camera it is, whether you're online with us or whether you're here, the anointing will come to you. And it will change your life. You don't have to pray in the spirit. You don't have to say anything. I just want you to receive. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all of those who hear me right now. Lord, I recognize, I recognize the value of transition. I recognize the crucible of obedience that we go through, the character building crucible of obedience. But I also recognize the strength of character on the other side. And so, Father, I thank you for everybody that can hear me right now, and I pray for the peace of God to come to them right now. That strength of peace. I speak to anxiety. I speak to fear. I speak to depression. I, oh Lord, I speak to striving. I speak to a performance mentality and I command you to be silent right now. And I declare peace. 
So I'm asking you right now, just where you are, not with your words or with anything, just with an act of your will, to just receive the peace of God. I feel it right now flowing. I feel peace flowing right now to you. An impartation of the peace of God. So that even with the turmoil of two seas, even with days of no food, stress fasting, even in the midst of what seems like certain destruction, you have peace. And like Jesus, who in the face of all contradiction was able to continue in faith, I declare a spirit of faith rising in his body. A spirit of faith to be the people you're called to be. It'll be a place not moved to and fro, but a place of stability. It'll be a place of maturity and strength. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace. Jesus' name, Jesus' name. I'm done. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. In this season, we receive all that you have for us. We receive encouragement. We receive peace. We receive from you today. We drink from the well this afternoon, oh God. We're drinking from the well, from the river of life, oh God. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you for watering your people with your word. We thank you, Father God, for your presence, oh God. We thank you. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Into every household, mm. we receive refreshing, times of refreshing into every home, into every mind, into every spirit, into every heart, we receive a refreshing right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God for what you're doing in every life, in every home, in every heart, in every spirit. Daddy, we say thank you. We say thank you. We thank you that even though weeping may endure for the night, we thank you because we are in the season of joy, joy in the morning. We thank you for turning, for changing, for removing, 
the garment of heaviness for the garment of praise. We thank you for hope restored. We thank you in this season of the birth of the Savior. Father, we receive peace into our homes. We receive joy and goodwill into our homes that we receive of you. We receive of you. We receive. I heard the Holy Spirit saying that he cannot change the structure if he does not change the people first. Hmm. So there's some of you right now within your own soul, you have something that's happened in the past, hmm. something that has uh, hindered you much like I did. It could be a gentleman who spoke too sternly or whatever, or it could be other things that have happened along my past that, that the mm. Lord had to reshape me. Mm. That washing of the water of the word, mm. the word that is spirit and it is life. Mm. Jesus, who is the word made flesh, I see him walking amongst us in this mm. moment. In the book of Revelation, we see him walking amongst the churches. And so if you would allow the word in this moment, it will come and it will wash away that thing that hinders you. It's going to wash away. And you're going to begin to walk clean of the past. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. Mm. I sense a stirring in the hearts, a, a stirring in the hearts. I see, I see hearts that are like ice, and God is just cracking them open, cracking the ice open so that he can get right inside behind the stony heart, behind the icy heart. I sense cracks in people's hearts that have been so heavy. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. 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 And, uh, this word has been coming to me since last week, but it was stronger this Wednesday. Just lay aside your agenda for his agenda. You've got all your plans. You've got everything. You know what you want to do. Uh, but I keep hearing in my spirit, the greatest miracle that can ever happen is the miracle that happens in our hearts. And just as I think it was Pastor just saying it just now, Isaiah prophesied about this time. He said, I will change those hearts of stone into a heart of flesh. The heart of flesh is where the seed 
is uh, the soil. It, it makes conditions necessary for the seed to grow. Father, thank you for what you're doing in the hearts of your people. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for healing. Thank you for refreshing. Thank you for strengthening. Thank you for encouragement. Thank you, God, over every heart, every family, every home here and online. Father, we just thank you for the release of peace over your people for the grace, the grace to walk in this new thing that you are doing, to transition, Father God, I just thank you because you are doing a new work in this season of our lives. And I thank you, Father God, because there is a breaking of day over your people. There is a breaking of day over your people. There is a breaking of day over the lives of your people. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. My God, my God. I, I see a shift in the realm of the spirit. I see a shift in the realm of the spirit. I see the breaking of day. I see the light shining through right now. The clouds are moving. And for those who say, not my will, but your will be done. Those are the ones that are going to enter into that new realm, into that new space, into that new thing. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Mm. Mm. Give you praise. We give you praise. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We can be here all afternoon. There's just so many things that God is just showing me right now about so many individuals, so many people. And... Thank God. Thank God for the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Thank God. Hallelujah. Let's rise on our feet and just thank you. Let's rise on our feet and just say, God, we release. We release ourselves unto you. Come on, we release ourselves unto you. We release ourselves unto you. In this new week, as we enter this new week, we release of ourselves. We re Lord, we say, Lord, we want to transition from the old mindset, the old wineskin into the new. I release myself completely to you. Mm, yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. Just like Mary, Mary released herself unto you for that, for her to carry the miracle, for her to carry the birth of our Savior, Lord, we release ourselves unto you. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Father, I just pray a blessing over your people. I pray a blessing over their day, a blessing over their week. I pray a blessing over their family. I pray a blessing over the works of their hands. 
Father God, all that they lay their hands to do this week as they release themselves unto you, cause it to multiply, cause it to prosper. Lord God, and above all, fill them with your joy and your peace in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining our online church. To connect with us, please go to our website, genesislifecenter.com. Please follow us on social media. On Facebook, you can find us under Genesis Life Center. On YouTube, you can find us under Genesis Life Center 01. On Instagram, Genesis Life Center. And on Twitter, Genesis Life Sent. Thank you.